Do you believe in miracles? Got Fizzle in the house. Fizzle, what what's up, Fizzle? good, man? Fizzle, glad to have you here. Let's go. This the South Harmon Podcast. Glad you here today. Hit that Patreon link if you here to stay. Dynasty best ball, that's my favorite way. 40 chess trade show. Let's make a trade today or check the AMA. You know Adam at the ATM. Mike always in the building. He gonna stay with him. They gonna start every show off with their own trade. Fantasy's a big ocean, they made their own wave. Make sure you tap in there Tuesdays and Saturdays. Tuesday night, Saturday morning, ain't no better way. Hit that notification bell when the news break. Go subscribe right now, don't get the news late. Destination Devi, that's the team. Dynasty football, man, that's my favorite thing. I remember Biggie said it was all a dream. Now people watching on their phones and computer screens. Welcome to the team. Welcome back into another episode of the 40 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Man, I am spent. I feel like Jimmy Butler in the bubble a few years ago. We had an amazing, amazing draft stream, but we got podcasts to do, man. The people want the information. Adam, do you feel like me? Like just after the draft week, all the hours are streaming with the awesome crew at Destination Debbie. We got to come back, man. We got to go back to work, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and bring the Dynasty Degenerates what they want. The Dynasty Degenerates need us. Dynasty Degenerates, what's going on? I hope you enjoyed our 16, 18 hours, whatever it was, draft stream. It was awesome. Um, it was, at the end of it, Mike, I'm not going to lie, I was, I was wiped. Um, come Sunday, come Monday, come today, which is Thursday. Still getting over it, but I'm, I'm excited, man, to talk about it for the first time, kind of really dive into some of the the thoughts we have as we've taken some time to think about it. We have a ton of rookie drafts going on right now. Um, if you don't have, if you haven't had yours yet and you're interested on stuff you should be doing in those, I think we got you covered. Uh, we should have had you covered on the draft stream, but we have a little more time to digest and walk through some of the stuff, Mike. So I'm excited for this one, man. Yeah, both you and I, uh, that Sunday, I went and kind of updated my, my rookie rankings. I, I know you've been working and tweaking on yours. Uh, we had a lot of, a lot of movers and, I was just kind of excited that we didn't completely whiff on our draft prediction pod. You know, on Friday, it wasn't wasn't horrible. We hit nah. some actually right this year, unlike last year. Look at us go. We were, we were. I mean, given last year, miles apart, uh, way better. And also, I thought, you know, even relative to other people, we, we hit a few things pretty good, man. All right. Well, I don't even know where to start, man. We had so many changes, but let's just start at the quarterback position. Um, a. Rich. I know you and I have gone back and forth on this A Rich or Bijan thing, but uh, where are you at, man? I think he's he's pretty much QB one for either one of us. I I think we're splitting hairs on a lot of things. He's yeah, by I mean, far and away QB one, right? Would you say he's in his own tier for these rookies? Me personally, he's in his own tier. Um, I, I'll say this: I've seen some drafts where it's not that way, and I still think Mike, even with and Dynasty Degenerates, with him getting the draft capital and the landing spot, really that we were hoping for. Like, there's still people that just are out. It, it's interesting to me how 
I think Ray said this at one point. Anthony Richardson is going to put everybody's process to the test. And I think that is one of the most true statements ever. Like, because whether you're really high on him or you're out on him, like, even if you say you're out, you have to be thinking. Like, I know the people that are out, they're still questioning themselves. Am I wrong if I don't take him at one or two? If, if, if he's not going at one or two, Mike, I think the thing that I've seen is I would be loving to try to trade into three or four or five and try to get back into that uh, mix to get a rich. Cause I've seen him go one quite a few times. I've seen him definitely go two, but I've seen him fall how, to three, four and five, even after the draft. How aggressive would you get trying to get back up there? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is that, is that where you're like, Holy shit, he's still on the board at three or Holy shit. I can't believe he's made it till four. Like how aggressive are you getting? Say you got picked, six pick seven something like that so it's a great question i think if i have pick seven especially like i still think pick six for me not that i wouldn't trade away jsn but what i've seen actually mike is five or earlier jsn goes so it's now all of a sudden what if gibbs is there i'm in one right now mike where gibbs there's there at 106 and now i'm trading trying to trade i don't even have a pick in 23 i'm trying to trade in to get jameer gibbs at 106 so at 107 especially mike if i can send Basically, any future first that I guarantee is not locked into the top three, I'm in. If you want me to send another first, in the, I'll send two. I'll send 107, 110, 109. I'll send all of them for A-Rich if I have to as well. All right. I know we don't like to really leverage our, our 24 first so much, but say you're one of these teams who don't have draft capital in 23. Like, we have these. You may have just won or you know, Definitely. you might be looking to run it back, but the value is just too good for you. Just in 24 picks. Like, how comfortable are you leveraging your 24 picks already for, like, say, A-Rich? We'll start with A-Rich, and then let's go to Bijan. Or uh, not Bijan, Jameer. 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 So let's, uh, with Anthony Richardson, man, I think the one thing is, right, one of the reasons I love to have my 24 pick is flexibility because if it goes wrong. Even if it goes wrong, Mike, like, I don't think, I don't envision a world where at at this time next year, Anthony Richardson is not still, even even if he falls in value. Not somewhat liquid. He's still a quarterback with high draft capital. And people can tell themselves a story that he was raw and he's going to continue to develop, right? So I'm happily sending my 24 first to go get him. Like, I think I would honestly send, if I could pick him to be mid to late, two 24s in, in, a, in a second as well. Like, I'm okay. happily, comfortably doing that for Anthony Richardson. All right, so, like, no question if, if the price was I need your 24 first and your 25 first, you're just – Oh, my goodness. I, I will be smashing the button for that, honestly, man. Well, okay. I will do that. Unless – I, I would say this. I'll put the caveat on it. Unless, like, my team's horrible. Absolutely Correct. Absolutely horrible. I was Correct. already tanking for 24. <laughs> like, I'm good. I'm right. just going to keep that. 100%. If my team is, is definitely going to be a bottom three team, I'm not going to send Caleb, May, Marvin Harrison Jr., and a 25 first for A-Rich. I, I'm with you. I'm, I was kind of with that prefacing that my team, is. I'm expecting to be more mid to late. So I think I'm on the verge of competing or I'm rostered appropriately. How much would you send for Jameer Gibbs? And let's just talk about it in 24 picks because it's kind of yeah. easy to say, like, like Adam, like, I don't, I'm not a huge fan. You know, JSN's fine. QJ's fine. Um, Jordan Addison's fine. Zay Flowers is fine. Uh, but I'm not really looking for fine. Like, I think Jameer Gibbs, at least for me, and I'll just go on a little tangent here. I think for me, separated himself from the wide receivers just based on landing spot, based on his talent, based on the offense, the great offensive line. I know running backs are kind of dead in, in dynasty, but that is a bet I'm willing to make on Jameer Gibbs with the draft capital he got. 
like I'm really comfortable just adding like any second I can get to if I got a 107, 108, you know, anything like that just to move up to secure Gibbs. Oh, um, easy, but, yeah. But what about if it costs 24 draft capital? Are you interested in, you know, sending your 24 pick? So this is 24 first and second. This is a great question, Mike. And, and to me, see, this is part of why I struggle with putting Gibbs too high. Now, now don't get me wrong, Mike. He's 100% a top five pick. I'm not taking JSN ahead of him. And I think if my team is built correctly, I can understand taking him ahead of either Stroud or Bryce. I think it's rich and risky, but I could do it if I have the correct team build. The problem though, Mike, when I, when it, and this is exactly why, when you ask me this question, right, I can envision a world, right? Like if either Gibbs doesn't play as much as we want or doesn't smash as much as we want or he gets hurt, See, I can envision a world where he's not as liquid. And that's where I have a little bit more of an issue with sending my 24 first. Not saying I won't do it, but I'm a little more hesitant at sending like my flexibility and my personal pick if I don't think my team is absolutely rocked and loaded and ready to go, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Um, Would you be more comfortable if it was one of the other two quarterbacks, Stroud or Bryce Young? Yeah. Uh, and and, this, and just this is, because of the quarterback market, right? Yes, because I think that there's a world where you still have close to a liquid asset in C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, and that you can tell a story again. They're the number one and two pick. They traded everything they had. The weapons aren't there yet, right? You can still tell the story of down-the-road development. Running backs, we don't really think that much down the road. We're looking for them to smash right now. So I guess that's right. part of the thing, too. Yeah, Like if Gibbs just kind of had an okay season, you know, maybe like – 500 yards on the ground, four or 500 yards to the air, like just kind of <laughs> hits a thousand, but doesn't yeah. really smash a handful of touchdowns, you know, finishes as like RB 18. You know, people are still going to kind of be eh, it's running back, man. <laughs> exactly. It, that, that's exactly the point, Mike. You just, now there's a, du- a few different ways you could illustrate the point, but if in this scenario, it's exactly what I'm got, what I'm getting at. I, will I send my 24 first Mike for Jameer Gibbs? Yes. Will I do it on a team that's rostered? Right. Yes, I just I have a lot more hesitation with what if I get stuck with Gibbs and he's not what I think he is because I me personally like I think he's gonna smash. I think you take a running back at twelve, even with Mon- Monty there, like they traded Swift away, like I see him smashing. But that's me in my running back bias and love, you know, and I have to at least be real about what the future could hold. All right, well let's talk about the receivers then: JSN, QJ. Jordan Addison. Like, I kind of lump them all just kind of in the same tier. I do have my preferences. Uh, Mine being wide receiver one, uh, Quentin Johnston. But, you know, I don't really fight anybody who still has JSN. He's an awesome talent. Just that Herbert landing spot, the connection. Uh, Mike Williams has never really scared me. Like, once upon a time, I thought Mike Williams was going to be the next coming. And uh, injuries (laughs) and not being around. And, you know, now you look up and the dude's almost 30 and you just kind of go, Meh. <laughs> Meh. That's the thing. But but at least, though, what I will say about Mike Will is when you saw Mike Will in his smashing spots, like I can tell myself a story about QJ that says, right. man, they could be trying to make him be that role. And we've seen in the Herbert-led offense, that role can be very enticing in fantasy football. So I, I get the QJ thing. For me still, Mike, and I know this is probably going to sound crazy for you, um, I think there are some people out there that are on board with this, and I've, I've seen it in drafts because – they're drafting JSN still, Mike, way higher than I would. So right. for me, like I have him as my one in in, in a tier of, of his own still, but I will admit, like, it's not leaps and bounds. Like I, if you if somebody takes Quentin Johnson or Jordan Addison ahead of JSN, given their one and two picks apart, like 
I'm not going to fight them personally. For me, though, it's just more so I think he's the best talent. I think he's got the best like um, name, Cache, right, moving forward, whether whatever happens. And then I also think I've just seen the community taking him way earlier than I would. So it just makes me want to think value-wise I got to still tear him in his own. But I, I'm 100% with you as far as why you could want QJ ahead of him or put them all on their own same tier. All right, feet to the fire, man. You're in a draft. Uh, all the good players that we had talked about already have gone. You're left with the choice of your first choice of wide receiver, right? So Gibbs is off the board. The quarterbacks are gone. Bijan's gone. Yep. Somebody offers you a random 24 first. You don't even know where this is going to be. Do you just take it and go back to next year? Or do you – like market's going to tell you you can tax them. Right. But, like, how much do you want to tax them before the uh, the fish is off the hook? You know what I mean? Like, so, if, if I told you, Adam, you can get a usable piece. So, if you think lineup – I'm not like tearing down to like a wide receiver 60, you know what I mean? And getting a, a first because I'm probably never starting this dude ever. Mm-mm, like, mm-mm. like I'm good. But what if it was like RB 35 range in a lineup league? Like that's something I could plug into a lineup and, and be useful. So you're time. basically saying at this point, my 106, which is my pick of receiver. Right. Someone really wants JSN, QJ. You don't even know who. You just know they want 106. They're sent, They're trying to give you the 24 first. And you're saying – would I take a random 24 first from that player or would I like what, what my pivot point is as far as if it's not a first, like what additionally I need? Like I came to you, Adam, let's just say I'm buying and I'm it's a, let's go with the lineup league. Yep. I'm saying, Adam, I'll give you my, my 24 first. You have really no idea where my team's going to be. It's not a smash contender. Got it. Mid to late. I'm also, I'm also not a dumpster rebuild. I'm just, you know, one of those middle of the road teams. Okay. And in the lineup league, I tell you, I'll give you my 24 first, and Miles Sanders. I, I'd be intrigued. I, here's what I'll say. I have seen and helped coach people through getting Mike. I, I've seen it. This is the time where 24 first and Christian Kirk got done for the 108 in a league. Right? right? Like That, I think, is where I'm starting. If I can get a receiver that's depressed in value and is a guy that I like like that, I mean, that's not even close. Like, I th- But I think that's where I'll try to start, right? I think honestly, Mike, if I can get Sanders or someone in that range, I could make the case. But man, when I look at Q Trade Cut and kind of how people still are crazy about JSN, like he's a spot away from DK on Q Trade Cut. Like there's right. a part of me that's just saying, you know what, man, I don't have to trade this on the clock. I think there's a story where I can sell somebody more. I can get more in return for JSN later on. That that's part of where like I I'm still looking for something like a first and a receiver that's in that, you know, 30, 40 range that I kind of like, or that's a running back, even a little more North. It's a fine offer. If you wanted to take one Oh six miles Sanders, I'm not saying it's a bad offer or not good for your team. I just think there's a world where you can get more very soon still. Okay. Uh, say JSN's gone and now it's, it's QJ. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, uh, Addison, like your choice of those guys. You a little bit more open to the offer just because yes. the hype isn't as much on those players? I think QJ, for me personally, Mike, and this is where maybe I'll have to kind of look at my rankings and tiers, but just walking through this, QJ I still probably would rather have than a random 24. You throw Sanders in there or a guy like that, man, I start really thinking. Like, I don't love the prospect. The landing spot's pretty sweet. Am I overdoing it? But I also still tell myself, man, Justin Herbert needs needs weapons. Look at his season last year. People are going to be really high on this kid just because he's with Herbert. So I think there, Mike, 
the range for Miles Sanders is much more acceptable for me, but I also could tell myself maybe to try to hold out a little bit. I think once I get to 108, there's nothing personal against Jordan Addison. This isn't saying I could be wrong, but once I get there, Mike, I'm absolutely willing to take a 24 first in Sanders 100% of the time. This is where I struggled when I was doing my ranks too. Like, I think Addison is fine. Like, I think he's fine, and I think he's very close to those other two guys for me. We talked about it with Eric when we did the uh, post uh, post round one mock or post round two mock, right? Uh, day two right. mock that they yep. came out on Saturday. I like them all, and they're kind of all in a tier, but I got to separate them because I'm looking at it and I'm like, random 24 first for JSN or QJ. Like, I think I'll just take the receiver. Like, I'd rather yes. have the receiver. You offer me a random 24 first for the, like, if I, the best I could do is, is Jordan Addison. Adam, I honestly think I'd take it just because of how much I love that, that 24 class. Right. And it's not that Addison's bad or anything. I think that's just the separation for me. So it's why I put QJ and JSN in one tier and I put Addison in the next one. Right. I think he's very close to those guys, but that is the breaking point for me where I go, you know what? I'll shoot my shot on 24. And if Addison smashes, oh well. But more than likely, we're probably looking at more like a Devontae Smith kind of situation, at least year one to year two, where you go, Oh, he's fine. He had like 800 yards. He's okay. But the community is going to look at it and go, oh, that's like a seventh-round startup wide receiver. That's an right, eighth-round startup. Right. And that 24 pick could be miles ahead of it in value at the same time next year. So I think that's probably where I'm at with uh, the wide receivers. And then anything after that, you offer me a random 24 first for my 109, 110, 111, 112. See ya. Out the door. Gone. I hit the reroll button every time. No questions asked. Yep, I I have no problem with that, Mike. And I think for me too, like once I get to Jordan Addison, say Flowers, some people are crazy high on Kincaid, whatever it is there, like for me, I'm willing to re-roll that into 24 straight up. Now, is it close? Yeah, like I do still still think it's close. I think it also kind of depends for me on a few things, Mike. Like I I was, you know, I've been getting questions like crazy about teams because everybody's drafting. So when I look at a team that's like a 14-team league, and we're starting like 11 or 12, I'm a little more inclined there to stay with Addison, if that makes sense. Because depth is very key in these leagues, right? This could be a very reasonable wide receiver three or flex in a a regular PPR league. And again, if I'm betting on some random team that looks like it's possibly a good team, like 114 next year, 113, 112, 111, or Jordan Addison, I'm probably still going to take Jordan Addison even next year, right? So I think it kind of depends. If we're in a 12-team league, we're starting nine, though. Starting ten, Mike. I'm I'm want to take that twenty four first. I want the lottery ticket in that scenario because not that Jordan Addison isn't nice, but I'm not certain that I'm ever going to be like guaranteed his him as a flex play in a lineup start nine league. You know what I mean? So it kind of depends on the league. Right. But I'm with you in, as a whole. Let me trade out of this for a chance at twenty four because I also think twenty four hype is going to continue, and I can move it in season too for something that's really nice. So that's part of my my thing as well. I like it. Um, Will Levis. I know he fell out of round one in the NFL draft, but is he still securely in round one of your rookie drafts? So here's what I'll say. He's definitely going to go in round one because the depth is not what we wanted it to be. I struggle, Mike. Now, you know, me and you were kidding around on the draft stream. If you don't know by now, Mike and I love, you know, poking each other, busting around, (laughs) playing around, right? I gave Mike all the shit in the world because – Levis fell out of round one. I, I still like Levis, and there's part of me that says, you know, Tennessee's a, a decent enough landing spot. 
this obviously is not good news for Malik Willis and Ryan Tannehill. We've all said has got to go at some point. But man, when I really think about my process, Mike, if I remove my Levis, whatever I felt about him, if it's not a quarterback that has like high end rushing upside, Mike, I, I don't really want to bet on second round guys. I know he's barely in the second round. I know there's all kinds of exceptions you could tell yourself. But for me, the process play is I don't really want to do that. 12-team leagues, Mike, I think I'm probably going to fade. 14-team leagues, totally different story. Quarterback scarcity, I'll trade him to somebody else, understood. 12-team leagues, man, it's just – in best ball maybe, if you're just like, you know what, let me shoot my shot on my quarterback five and I have more tradable quarterbacks. But I struggle, man. I really struggle with where I should take him, which probably means I'm not going to get him because I've seen him go still, Mike, as early as 108, 109, 110 in a lot of spots. And I just – it feels too rich for me. I know you probably still want to bet on him, so go ahead and tell the Dynasty Degenerates how you feel about it. I think the the thing that he's not uh, or doesn't offer high-end rushing upside is, is we really don't know till they get to the NFL. Let's be honest, man. Nobody really thought Daniel Jones was – the kind of athlete he is at the quarterback position and can put up the amount of rushing yards that he could. Sure. And and no, is is it Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson? No, those guys are rare. <laughs> like those guys are rare. You you we hope we have one in Anthony Richardson. Those guys are sure. outside the box. Josh Allen had some mobility, but we didn't think he could run like he could in the NFL. We didn't think that was a he's a damn tank. He is a damn unit. Yep. Um Patrick Mahomes kind of the same thing, man. The guy in college, like he's got some mobility, but we always thought it was like scramble. Like he makes off kilter plays, and then you you look in the NFL, and he's four or five hundred yards rushing. So I'm not going to put it past Levis. Like Levis does have that ability. I think we could look up if if things go right, and he's the starter and right in the offense, and he's secure, and he's not buried on a depth chart and bust or whatever people are want to say negative about him. But if he's you know, a starter for five, six years, we could look up and he could have multiple 500-yard rushing seasons pretty easily. And in fantasy, that's interesting to me okay. to go along with the passing. I, I'm not ever going to say, hey, he's the, he's, he's going to have Justin Fields. He's going to have 800 yards, 900 yards, 1,000 yards. These are kind of the floors. But, you know, four or 500 yards out of a quarterback rushing, like I think he has enough mobility to do that, especially in schemes – not like Kentucky where they're running a pro-style offense in the SEC and he had an absolutely porous offensive line this last year. You just look at his counting stats and you go, oh, man, he can't run the football. But then you remember in college they count Sacks. sack yards sure. against you well, all the time. It, I'm not sitting here trying to indict Will Levis that he can't scramble. He can't make plays with his legs. He's not going to rush for anything. I'm not, telling, I'm not trying to say he's a statue. For me, though, in the second round, I don't want to bet at all. But if I was going to, it was like – more so that you look at Jalen Hurts, right? And, and Jalen Hurts is a guy that we know couldn't run first. I'm not saying Will Evans couldn't even become Daniel Jones, where he's like five, six, seven hundred yards. But Daniel Jones has done that one year when the weapons were pretty low. And for me, Mike, it's more so just not betting on the second round quarterback. And if I was to make an exception, it would be for like a guy that I could see having fantasy success, very high one on the ground. That that's my only point. It's not to indict Levis as an athlete. I mean, he ran a four seven five, he had a great burst score. I'm not saying he will never be able to run the football. Or I mean, Patrick Mahomes level of rushing, I, I absolutely see in the cards. I just I don't want to do that for him as his what I see his profile as. When I don't really want to bet on second round guys in general, that's more the point that I'm making. Is second round in general for me is. I don't like it, man. I just don't like it as a whole. <laughs> Understandable. Understandable. At least on the plus side is you can't get too much better in the second round than what he did. You know what I mean? Almost so the first you, pick, correct. It, it puts your process to the play. Like, is this an arbitrary line or not? 
is this uh, true? The, the and we team don't... literally traded up to a high second round pick to go try to secure him. And who's to say they weren't trying to do it at the end of end of uh, round right. one? And so. you know, and maybe KC really uh, they took the uh, the defensive end right. They, they lost Frank Clark. They're maybe they're like you know what? No, nah, we we want to secure the defensive end. Uh, he's a little more of a project, and they also you get the fifth year option on him for money wise when you got Patrick Mahomes right. Like that's a big deal right. too. So. I could see where they tried to and they, they weren't able to. Um, for me, man, it's just it's it's going to be more of a process thing, and it's not that I don't love Will Levis and I'm not rooting for him, but to me, if I'm going to miss, I'd rather miss on – he's a second-round quarterback that doesn't hit. I'd rather have that and know that I didn't take him than, okay, this second-round quarterback ended up being one of the guys that broke the mold. And not saying he can't do it. For me, I just don't want to bet on it. Understandable. All right, let's talk about the other quarterback in there that we – Heard Ugh. some rumblings about round one. Where in rookie drafts are you comfortable taking Mr. Hendon Hooker? I mean, well, this is the one that we were warring on, Mike, wasn't it? Like, this yeah, is what we were saying sure. five that he goes in round three. Mike, I think I'm out, man. Where, where would you be, though? Like, let, let's talk about that. Where would you have to be to take him? Listen, I, I'd say that I'm out, but uh, <laughs> the depth of this class is pretty disgusting. It's lacking bad, right? It's not even profile wise, but just draft capital wise there's a lot of bad bets you're going to end up making, right? We thought the the second round, the third round, we were golden. We were golden. We're going to have, you know, day two running backs galore. We're going to have all these tight ends that are going to get premium draft capital that we'll be able to take. We we thought we were going to get five quarterbacks that we're going to be talking about in the first 14, 15 picks of our rookie drafts. And instead, we're kind of going, eh. Uh, well, we had some misses, and it just kept stacking up. I, I'm not going to say I'm out on them because there's going to be a point in, like, for me, it's probably, like, round three where I go, do I want to make a bet on a third-round wide receiver, too, that probably won't ever hit? Do I want to make a bet on this fifth-round running back who I didn't really like their profile? No. no. Mike, Mike, like, let I... me just shoot a shot on a quarterback, I mean, at this point. Well, I'll tell you this. You, you bring up some good points. First of all, let's talk about the tight end thing really quick. But yeah, there was a bunch that went. Two of them, like we we got, we feel like we nuked out uh, Luke Musgrave and Tucker Crafts because they went to the same spot, right? That, that and was then horrible for us. and then and then some of the round two, like the early ones, like these weren't the guys that we weren't. These weren't the profiles we were hoping for, right? Like Washington right. goes to Pittsburgh with Fryermuth. Instead, we get you know Strange going the the great landing spot, like Jacksonville. I thought would that would be a smash landing spot where where Strange went. So now you got to start asking yourself, do you want to? Do you want to take it on Strange? Like he has a very strange and unique profile when you look at it, right? That's funny, very funny. I mean, it's there is not much production. It's very athletic guy. He's got the draft capital, but man, he's got a great quarterback too. Um, Shoemaker going to Dallas, like it's just man. And then some of the tight ends we were hoping for didn't go till late. Will Mallory goes in round six. It's like the whole thing is in general to your point. The landing spots combined with the draft capital of this class, not what we were hoping for. Just isn't what we were hoping for at all. Right. Which brings in the question you bring here, Hennon Hooker. I think the big key for me, Mike, is lineup or best ball. If it's best ball, I'll shoot my shot on the third round receivers. I will. I'll shoot my shot on a running back yeah. in that scenario, right? I think if I'm in a lineup league in the third round, you want to take Hennon Hooker, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you not to. For me, Mike, I'm not in that many of them relative to my portfolio. So I haven't even really had this opportunity yet, um, actually faced in a lineup league. But in best ball, like early third man I'm still I'll still shoot my shot on guys there I'm fine taking running backs and wide receivers that are not the greatest profile not the greatest uh, draft capital but I can tell myself man 
I mean, I've seen it 301 sometimes Marvin Mims, Mike. What? Why couldn't I see Marvin Mims for sure giving me four weeks, five weeks in best ball, even in his rookie season? Could absolutely happen. I guess when you get down for me, it's like when I start getting the guys like Tank Dell, Tyler Scott, yes. you know, Charlie Jones. I'm going like, why not Hendon Hooker? That, I, if you're at that regardless spot, of form, I'm, with, I'm with you there. I'm with you there when we get to that range. I guess that's to me that's more like late third though. And even the running backs, man, like when I start looking at a band, I just go like, what am I doing? Like everything in my body is telling me why take this guy, no matter how much I loved him pre NFL draft. Like, could you ask for a a more horrible landing spot? You can't more horrible situation for him to come out. I, I, the the story I try to tell myself as a guy that was you know sitting here last week telling you a Bandicanda third running back off the board uh, he wasn't that and he also didn't go to a good landing spot but I'll say this Mike they did draft another running back albeit you know later to signal they really want to run the football to me right Zonovan Knight was a guy that had very very real relevance in last season at yes. a key moment in fantasy right so I I, I think for me, like that's where it's tough because in best ball, the way I'm looking at it in best ball, Mike, is man, I think Abanacanda is going to be a, a, a downtrending asset. And then I'm like, what do I do? No one's going to trade me for this guy. I'm probably on my contenders looking at cutting him. So I, I, in best ball, like I really don't think I want to take him where he's going. In lineup leagues, I'll stash him on the taxi squad. You give me in the third, late third, mid third, you know, okay, I'll, ta- I'll, I'll put him on the taxi and hope that there's a scenario where he gets a real chance to thrive because, you know, Michael Carter, I, I still think is going to be ahead of him to start the year. I think Brees obviously is going to be the focal point of this offense at the running back position. But I also see a world too, Mike, where most teams are going to run two down, two, two different guys out of a backfield. And when Carter moves on, I think a Bannacanda could take on the one B roll. And then I'll, we have to admit it as much as we don't want to talk about it. He's a, he's a single injury away from, real relevance so in lineup i think i stash them a lot more often best ball i struggle because if unless i'm a tanking team that i know i'm not trying to contend i feel like i'm gonna have to get rid of them before i even have a chance at value understandable all right we both uh we both have this tier of uh not exciting wide receivers but wide receivers that we have to pay attention to correct so correct yep we gotta yep. we gotta help we gotta help the people out right Jaden reed jonathan mingo rasheed rice what are we doing? What are we doing with these guys? <sighs> this is so tough, man. This is so tough. So let, let's J- Jaden Reed, honestly, Mike is the one that I think I'm the most interested in. Um, because you and I aren't Romeo dubs guys, right? No. Um, I like Christian Watson a lot, but I don't think he's so, so scary as a receiver that he's entrenched as a one that someone else can't fee still. Right. Yeah. The problem is now we're looking at Jordan Love at quarterback. We don't know what the future holds if he misses, and even if he hits, what that looks like. And then they did draft another two tight ends that we really like. Aaron Jones is still there. Like I think long-term Jaden Reed I still really want. Um, Mingo, man. Jay Rich, shout-out to Jay Rich for calling it. But, gosh, I I don't really know where to take him, Mike. Every Because t- here's the thing. I guess – and when I say that, what I, what that really means is – I don't feel comfortable taking him before he comes off the board every time. I mean, this guy is going up the boards like crazy. Like, I've seen him in the first at times. He's early second sometimes. That's rich for my blood, man. I don't know. That's rich for my blood. What do you think? I, I definitely am not touching him in the first ever. 
ever. I I've just, seen him I go 111, 112, 201. And, and, and you talked about this, Mike. This was your line on this draft stream. Starting at 109, it's go get your guy season. It is. And it is. that, for a lot of people now, is Jonathan Mingo. That is not my guy, though. <laughs> so I will not be going in to get him. Which is where, to the point, like, I don't know. I, I guess for me, I'm probably comfortable, like, starting around 206, 205, 204, maybe. I could maybe consider it. It's just tough for me, man, to take him there, honestly. There's still guys I want to shoot my shot on. So the range for me, like, where I'm comfortable and I start to pull the trigger on, on Mingo, um, done it in a couple drafts now, but, uh, you know, Will Levis is going to go. That's my guy uh, in the first round somewhere. I am highly, highly interested in Devin A-Chain and Kendry Miller. At yep. running back position. Absolutely. Um, Zay Flowers should be off the board because I have him clearly ahead of these guys. Like he has, I've seen him fall defense. sometimes in these drafts, though. Like 110, 111, he's there a lot, man. And then for me, just because it is the like the tight end position, um, I, I'm interested in, in Dalton Kincaid for the draft capital, the whole landing spot with Buffalo being with Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to take Dalton Kincaid. Uh, even in like tight end premium leagues that I don't get too excited about 0.25, 0.5, you know, right. those kind of leagues, I'm still going to take Dalton Kincaid before I'll take Jonathan Mingo. Um, but after that though, in those leagues, Adam, uh, I'm probably passing on Sammy Laporta. I'm probably passing on Michael Mayer and I will take, I will take Jonathan Mingo and I'm going to take him ahead of Zach Charbonnet probably 10 times out of 10. Uh, not that I don't like Charbonnet, and before you you get the pitchforks out, it's not that I don't like him, but we talk about bad landing spots. We talk about gross situations, man. As as much as I like Sharp coming in, I also like Kenneth Walker, and now I got two of these guys, and I know it was said on the stream, like, why can't they be D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart? Well, that NFL don't exist no more, so that, that's why. Um, these guys are going to cannibalize the shit out of each other, and I just really don't want a whole lot of – either of them to be honest so i'm with you. mingo mingo at that point i just feel comfortable like all right let me shoot my shot so other what, people really what spot is that now like, oh, man i'm trying to think of how early i took is that 203 ish yeah, sounds like this thing go ahead i had a, I had a ton of picks in this lineup league <laughs> a ton of picks um yeah i'm probably looking at at 202 um 202 i think 202 is the like earliest i could take that guy so that that puts that puts Will Levis off the board, puts A-Chain off the board, puts Kendra off the board, um, puts Kincaid off the board. I would take, I think I'd take Mingo at 202, 203. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Underdog! That's right, Destination Devi is now partnered with Underdog. It's an incredible opportunity, and you know my affinity for best ball. How about getting in those contests and taking down some of these big tournaments, getting that best ball money? And right now, if you sign up with promo code 4DCHESS, you'll get a 100% deposit match up to the first $100. And the best part is Destination Devi Discord will be free to you for a year. You will get access to all the strategy that we will be talking about as far as taking down some of these tournaments and the best ball tools that will come with it. What a perfect marriage. Destination Debbie, 40 chess, underdog, best ball, say less and sign me up. Now, back to the show. 
I mean, I, th- that that side, by the way, is not me telling you you're wrong. <laughs> That's me telling you, like, I don't like it there. Uh, I can't really fight you, though. Like, I don't know, man. I, it, it's tough because the draft capital at 38, 38, 39, I forget which exactly it was. It was one of those two. It, it, it's It's really high. But, man, like does it give you Mike here's the thing it, it gives me uh Denzel Mims but I don't even like the prospect as much vibes <laughs> right right I like Mims more which is sad to say no like th- do you feel me there like that's I that's do. my problem 100%. with with me L- listen I mean I say this where we're talking it through um but I also say this as a guy who if I had that pick up desperately <laughs> trying to trade like please yeah please give me your 24 <laughs> second and your 25 second just bail me out you make the pick and uh I'll just move on with my life Mike so um this will be so far off topic but it just real quick I I saw somebody they they actually traded Mahomes to me for a bunch of the picks in 23 that I was trying to leverage right but they still got Dak in 103 and then Swift got a resurgence so it's like okay I see it even with some shots late but then they traded 103 for 107, 108, and I think 202 or 201. And now yeah. all of a sudden I'm sitting there thinking, like, what? You went down from Mahomes to Dak, which, okay, like I'm not going to say it's, it's horrific, but like there's a sizable gap there. And now you're not – when you get 103 a quarterback, like I can at least paint a picture of why it would make sense, right? You give me Swift, you give me all these extra darts, and you give me Dak. But when you get to this range, Mike, no one's coming to bail you out. You're going to end up making all those picks. Like, there's so many. Maybe you hit on a few of them. I'm sure that you will. But goodness, these are not. When I get past like 110, 111, 112 in this class, Mike, I mean, you're shooting your shots on sketchy stuff a lot of times. And so it's just, I do not want to go out of a, it doesn't even have to be the homes, an elite tier asset of, of any kind to get into this range like they're, they're just they're right. wildly different for me at this point wildly i uh i favor mingo um and and Jaden reed very similarly but i probably f- i favor mingo because of the draft capital is a little bit better than what Jaden reed got even though it's not bad it's still top 50 draft capital that's fair uh, you, you touched on it a little bit adam i will say this from a draft sequencing standpoint i'll take Mingo 10 times out of 10 just because there's the possibility like if I have the 2-9, 2-10, that pick's going to be Jaden Reed, and then I just end up getting them both. Like if it, I can't trade these picks, then I I'd rather you. sequence it that way where I'm going to end up with both of these guys. Now, I'm with you on that point, and this is where I've always had uh, one given advice. I, I have a harder time, Mike, because I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at their team, and I'm looking at their picks, right? And I'm saying to myself at 111, 112, if you want to shoot your shot on A-Chain or, or Kendry, I'm not going to fight you at all, right? Like, how could I? That's I like both these guys a lot. We already touched on that. But I sit there, and if I look at your picks, and I see mid or early seconds, and I sit there, and I say, man, are you really going to take that over Zay Flowers? Let's even say you really strongly believe, right? It comes down to sequencing for me now, because would you rather have Kendra and Mingo or would you rather have Flowers and whatever running backs there? I don't care who your flavor is. Roshan, Tank, Sharp. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm taking the latter every single time. Yeah, I think Zay Flowers is completely fine, but I'm with you on this one. I'd rather sequence it, Kendra, and then one of these other two receivers than the reverse. I, I don't want to, as much as I love Roshan and I will, you know, I'll take him in the mid-second every chance I can get. I still love Tank Bigsby, and I'll take him around that spot too. But 
I don't feel as good about it, right? Like I feel much better if I take Kendra or A-Chain with that pick over Zay Flowers, which is pretty hot takey because it's a, a round one wide receiver, Adam, versus, you know, round three running backs. It's like, what are you doing with yourself? But that's the way I want to play it just from a sequencing standpoint because these other guys are going to be available that I feel a little bit better about. It's kind of the inverse of what we thought the 23 class was going to be, right? Like the wide receiver depth is non-existent. So, you know, if you want them, you want the JSN, the QJ, the Addison, you got to take those guys early. Don't worry about it, though, because the running backs are going to be of abundance in the second round. There's going to be all kinds of profiles you're going to like and landing spots and the draft capital is going to be there and sad trombone that didn't happen. Let's walk through this, too, because I I do think um, from the running back standpoint – I know we're in the receiver uh, land here, Mike, but I just wanted to walk through for you real quick and, and me, for everyone listening. Okay, we, we obviously have Bijan 1, Gibbs 2, and, and there's a gigantic gap. I want to make sure that people understand that. It is a Massive. gigantic gap, much bigger than we ever would have thought, just period. It is impossible for us to think it was any bigger than this. Who's your running back three? A-chain for me. Okay. For me, I'll say I, that pretty quick, but it's A-chain for me. For me, I think it was Kendra and then A-Chain at, at four, but I think they're in their own tier for me, those two. Yes, okay. clearly. And so well, for you, it's three and four, just inverse but same tier, correct? Three and four, yes. Okay, next tier. What are we looking at? I'm leading off with Zach Charbonnet. We're throwing Tajay Spears in there. I'm throwing Tank in there, and I'm throwing Roshan. And those are the last four running backs I really care about. Okay. So, so for me, I'm trying to pull it up here. Um, I'm with you on a lot of that. I, I think I have. So I go Charbonnet, Spears, Tank. I, I do still have Roshan at the bottom of this tier. And I think, Mike, because of a value, of dynasty value, people are insane right. on Roshan, right? So, like, I, I'll be honest. When I'm taking him, like, I, I'm going to hold him in a few spots just because I have such a big portfolio. Like, I, I might as well see. But I'm looking to probably move him in this offseason because there is some hype on this guy. Like, you got like, guys like me out there hyping the hell out of him, so you might as well move him when you get something. It feels a lot, Mike, like David Montgomery coming out. Do you remember how much hype he started yeah. to get as the year yes. was going on? He's going to take over yep. the backfield. I'm feeling a lot of David Montgomery vibes with Roshan Johnson. Without the production David Montgomery had in college. <laughs> Correct. But, but there was a lot of buzz towards the – uh, as the draft was getting closer on Roshan, yes. and now it's like, oh, we like this guy, and he's one, one of the only ones that has a clear path. People have forgotten about our our, our buddy Zach's favorite Khalil Herbert at this point. It's like he <laughs> yes. got tossed to the wolves, even though he was drafted just last year and I think has a very relevant role still this right. year. I, I see where people are just foaming at the mouth for Roshan. And, I, and I'm interested, but like, if I'm having him, I think I'm looking to trade, but that's why I have him in the back half of this tier. I think the tougher sells, like for me, the one that a lot of people seem out on uh, for landing spot medical concerns is, is Spears. Um, that's also one I'm kind of highly interested in. Yeah. I'm interested in him because I like his talent and I don't really care about the knee thing. Like he, he played with it, right? And he played very well with it. Um, and I'm not looking at this guy. If I put him on my team, I'm going to keep him for five years. You know what I mean? Right. I'm looking at the next couple years. I think there's also a situation where he's devalued because Derrick Henry's still on the team, man. Like Derrick Henry is still there. He hasn't left. People are like, oh, what's his role? This is just Darrington Evans all over again. At his cost, I'm highly interested because 
it's a late second round pick. Like sometimes he might even be an early third round pick in a rookie draft. And why not shoot my shot on this? Derrick Henry gets traded and all of a sudden it's the Tajay Spear show, even for one to two years. I'm in, man. Like for the cost of the 301, the 210, sign me up. Sign me up for that. So Spears, Spears, I'm interested in. I still put him behind Charbonnet as much as like junk I've talked about Sharps. I'll put them behind it, but uh, it is what it is. It is, what it, is. it is a tier of guys where I'm just like, let me pick the dudes from the buckets, but I do think the community values these guys very differently. Mike, Mike I'm so curious your thoughts here on this one because um, with, with Charbonnet, I, I think we need to at least talk about it for a few minutes. We don't have to get crazy on it, but I, I think initial reaction for everybody was we didn't see it coming. Like We all no. thought Kenneth Walker looked good enough. Uh, they drafted him high enough. They seemed to use them in a role that made a lot of sense, and they had other needs, and it just didn't seem like they're going to take a running back this high. Not saying they wouldn't take one because Pete Carroll established a run, all that. They take Sharps as the third running back off the board. We're also kind of at this point waiting in anticipation for the first running back to go in day two, right? And then Charbonnet goes to Seattle, and people I think are just disappointed, not sure of why, and there's just no way to wrap your head around it really fast. Start to fast forward and think about it for a few days like we've had, Mike. When I when I see this and start thinking about it more and more, man, it's I, I really believe this is much more troublesome for Kenneth Walker than it is for Zach Charbonnet. And it's not saying I'm, I'm panic selling every single Kenneth Walker share I have. I, I have sold some, but it's if I can get like 80, 90% of old Kenneth Walker prices typically, right? Like if I can do that, I think I'm just going to de-risk because I, I have a lot of Kenneth Walker exposure still, Mike, to be completely honest. Like right. I sold a lot off, but I still have quite a few. When I think about it, like it's just, it's not good for what we hope Kenneth Walker could be. I don't think that's the case. But I also, I'm, I'm starting to feel like some people are pushing Zach Charbonnet too far down because they just assume that Kenneth Walker is not going to go away. And I don't know that that's smart either. So I guess I, I kind of want to get your take on this. Um, th- how this tandem you think shakes out and whether you think it shakes out a certain way or not, is there a process play for you that you have to start taking some sharps even if you don't believe that Kenneth Walker is going to go away? I think uh, the way we value sharps is, is vastly different than how I've seen it play out in like random leagues. You know what I mean? A lot That's of That's hundred percent what leagues, I mean. Yes. Yes. A lot of our patron leagues, uh, you know, they would they would fade sharps to the point where you go, like, I just I gotta take them. I gotta take them here. I need some exposure if I'm wrong. Like that's the process play I would do in these random leagues. He's going way too high for me to even consider it and think about it because people want him. Like I'm not, I would rather be wrong than, than take him over Will Levis. I would rather be wrong than take him over a chain or Kendra Miller or, um, you know, like we're talking about Marvin, uh, Jonathan Mingo. Like I would rather be wrong than to take him over that group of so guys. So you, you would rather have Mingo than Sharps right now, for sure. Yeah, I would rather take Jonathan Mingo over Sharps <sighs> right now. I struggle with that one, actually. I think I think I wouldn't do that, but it's also dependent. Does that on one become way. more fifty-fifty for you? Yeah, it it is. But, and I, I mean, I, I, I'll tell you you're why. Having, you're having the conversation then about Sharps at the early part of the second round, like at best, and Adam, like, there's people out here still taking him at 108, 109. Now, I'm fully aboard with you. I think I, I have seen both sides of this be played out. Now, when it's in patron leagues and a lot of these leagues that I think people are very tapped in on, 
I think they're overreacting. I'll see him get to 206, 208 sometimes. Yeah, that's way too far. Cr- I'm, it's I'm criminal. I, I see, I've seen Roshan go ahead of him. Mike, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Three, four times. It, it's insane. That I think is criminal. Like, don't do that. I, I strongly suggest not to get too, too far out on sharps. But I will say, like, there's just no way I'm touching him probably in the first round if I'm keeping it real. Yeah. You yeah, want to have the conver- you want to have the conversation at 201 basically. I I'm not going to fight you. It's still very good draft capital. I think this is the other thing I do want to say. Um I I think for me in best ball Mike when I think about it, right? I I'm very happy to add Charbonnet to my to my best ball teams because again, I don't have to worry like okay, is Charbonnet one of the three people I want to start, right? I think I, I don't have to worry about the role. I don't have to worry about how much he carves out early necessarily. I think there's a realm of possibilities where Sharps is. I'll, remember how high people were on AJ Dillon last year, Mike? Right. Like yes. I, I could see Sharps as AJ Dillon plus plus in the same type of a role 100%. with Walker, and, and that's where I think people are tripping now. In lineup, if, if you're telling me you you think there's a guy in this range, Tajay, Bigsby, Kendra, you want to take ahead of him. Be my guest, man. Go ahead. But in best ball, especially our, our big leagues, Mike, I, I love adding him as RB5, 6, 7 to my teams, man. I absolutely love that. So to get out of here on the simplest, most concrete answer I can give on Zach Charbonnet, Adam, for okay. me, it's if it's Zay Flowers, it's 100% no. If it's Will Levis, I'm 100% with it's you. 100% no. Oof. If it's A-Chain, it's 100% no. Okay. If it's Kendra Miller for me, it's 100% no. When you get to Jonathan Mingo, 50-50. You get to Roshan, Tajay Spears, and Tank Bigsby, uh, Jaden Reed, 50-50. But I will be looking at it as far as exposure. What does my league like to do? How do they value Zach Charbonnet? Yep. Have I heard anything? You know, am I on? Do I follow him on social media? Have they posted something about it? Are they yep. a Seahawks fan? Yep. That's where I'm going. Like, okay, these these are the scenarios where you're, you're talking really about could. splitting the tie. You're talking about how Correct. do I split the ties? I like it. Correct. Correct. Yeah. If I if I get a sniff, a sniff that this league, this community, there might be one or two people in this this league that that value Charbonnet a lot higher than I do, and they can't believe the fact that he fell to the 201 or the 202, then yes, Adam, from a portfolio standpoint, just to play the market. I'll draft Zach Charbonnet, even though that's not how I rank it. But yes, I'm with you. I'll play the mark. But there's just there's there's some hard nose for me where I'm not going outside my comfort to try to get that edge. You know what I mean? I understand that they could, but the backfire if like if I'm right in how I rank it or how I value these players, if I'm right and I can't get rid of a Charbonnet at peak prices. I'm going to really regret the fact that I passed on Will Levis, who turned out to be a three, four-year starter at quarterback or five-year-plus, whatever. I'm going to regret the fact that I turned down Devin A-Chain, who you know, could be extremely explosive in that Miami offense. So that's where I'm at with, with Charbonnet. It's, it's not a player thing. I'm just looking at it from a value standpoint. Makes sense. But I'm with you. If, if you're in one of these leagues that everybody hates Charbonnet, at some point, there just becomes a like. Okay, fine. You just give them to me. I'll roster them. I don't care what you guys think. It's the right process play to take him for draft capital and his talent ability at this spot. But if you're also in these leagues where, you know, people are going to take him at the one nine, the one ten, all right, hard pass. Oh well, I missed out. 
Like I, I'm not going to reach for him there and bypass some other players that I really like. Yeah, and I, I think that's so big, man. And the I want to make sure that people understand this last part too. Mike, he, he got selected in the second round. Like, I, there is a part of me that says, Mike, and I know this is why people are having a hard time with Sharps because we already liked Kenneth Walker and they took him in the second round, right? So it's it's tough for people to get their heads wrapped around this. But, like, understand, and, and Mike, I know you agree with me on this. If you're a second-round running back and I like you as a prospect and we're some, it's somebody we want, you're going to have a hard time getting me to just pass on this guy. There's no way I'm doing it. There's just no way I'm doing it. And I, I like Walker. I still, I'm yeah. not telling you Walker's death sentence. I'm not telling you Sharp's death sentence. But you, you cannot pass on a running back that has a second-round draft pick to a team that wants to run the football. Do not do that. It's a bad process. We like Sharps going in. Like, do not get crazy on how you fade this guy. I strongly urge people to not get crazy about what the landing spot is for Roshan. I like Roshan still. But just be careful about how high you're getting on other people when Sharp still was the second-round pick here. He still is a very good prospect, and we do not know what the future holds for him and Kenneth Walker. We just don't. This is one thing that I always struggle with too, man. Like, we, every single year we're like, don't value landing spot too much. Don't value landing spot too much. Yes. Stick with your process. This is also yes. when people give me crap about uh, about doing pre-NFL drafts. The reason, not only can you get incredible values if we touched on it, but one of the hidden reasons, Adam, is because I'm just trusting my gut, right? I'm trusting the process of evaluating players. I'm trusting the breakdown that Ray has. I'm trusting what I'm hearing for draft capital. So I get to put all the chips on the table immediately, and I don't have these wild swings of emotions that are hard to get over when Dalton Kincaid is the first tight end off the board and he goes to Buffalo, and we're like, oh, my gosh. You know what I mean? If, if he was my tight end three pre-draft, in those rookie drafts, that's where I took him. Like, all right, right, he's a value here at right. tight end three. I take him. I don't I don't ever reach for those guys because you don't know what the landing spot's going to be. And the easiest way to ignore is just do your NF, your rookie draft before the NFL. You don't have to worry about what we're talking about right now with Zach Charbonnet. He was RB3 for for us. He was yes. RB3 for us. And right. and now that, that now here we are. That That's kind of what I want. Uh, I want to kind of finish this up and get back to the receivers and finish on tight ends because I know uh, th- this is not going to be one of our, you know, hour and a half, two hour ones. Mike's got to uh, get out of here in, in, a, in a minute. But, Mike, th- this is what I do want to say, too, because I, I, I think that's a good point there to finish on here with the running back position. If you had Zach Charbonnet as running back three and he got the draft capital that we want, okay, like Mike and I are moving him down two spots and, and just down a tier. Not getting crazy though. He's running back five for us. Like, don't get out outrageous and act like Charbonnet was sent to die to Seattle when he got taken as a second round pick. It's just it's not a smart play to do that. Mike, l- l- let's talk here real quickly about uh, Devon A. Chang because I think for a lot of people they struggled with his weight. And I, there's a lot of people that I know and respect that said basically right. with his weight, I'm kind of good. But now, like none of the running backs for the most part got the draft capital or the landing spot we want devon a chain is the one guy forget about the profile for a second that got the draft capital and the landing spot we want so if you're going to put him at three that would be the reason mike let me ask you how how concerned are you about the weight as far as 
Like, I, I still think, I'll say it this way, Mike. I, I think there's a, a very real possibility that the guy can do, have a role of 12 to 15 touches and in, in, in his profile, he could still very much thrive as a running back in that, in that role. But I think there's people that are very concerned about his weight and will he ever be the running back that we hope for if we're taking him in the first round of this draft? And ultimately, like I think there's a lot of people that for whatever reason, right or wrong, it gives them this uh, this Chase Edmonds vibe type thing, you know? And I'm kind of curious your your thoughts really quickly on uh, A-Chain and why for you he's the clear RB3 in the class in the top of the second tier. Right, he didn't hit the, the weight thresholds you know, that we all covet for how we evaluate prospects, right? When we evaluate running backs and he didn't, he didn't hit those, but the one of the things he did Adam, and, and it makes a lot more sense to me, especially after Miami is the team that took him is I just look back at the undersized running backs that Miami has, uh, not just Miami, but that, that San Francisco running style has, um, has had over the years, right? Mm-hmm. Raheem Mostert, not the biggest one. I know pl- player profile has him at 205, but I he was like 190 when he came out at him. He wasn't that big of a guy. Uh, Matt Breida had some ridiculous success, and that's also another small running back. And what do these guys have a lot in common with A-Chain? Speedsters. Slender take, yeah, builds. They, they, they can go all the way to the crib anytime. Right. Speedsters take the top off. Now, the one thing A-Chain definitely has over these guys, at least in my opinion, is neither one of these guys had the route running ability, the receiving ability that Devin A-Chain has. So if I just look at him as a base, I'm looking at a Raheem Moster, I'm looking at a Matt Breed, I'm looking at an Elijah Mitchell for San Francisco a couple of years ago. If I just look at him in that lens of going, I already know what they can do in this type of scheme, being undersized running backs, and then I kind of extrapolate it in my brain and go, wow, this is like, this is like a, a light version of Jameer Gibbs that went to Miami who can employ this type of running back or deploy this type of running back in this way where the rushing ability has a really nice floor. I can only imagine the fact if they get creative and use them in some type of some type of role where he's going to be involved in the receiving game as well. So it's kind of a hodgepodge of I know I know you're going to throw this name in, but I'm not saying like the type of player, but this Debo Samuel type role that was incredible a couple of years ago. Not the fact that they're just going to pound him up the middle, but use creative ways like McDaniel did to get Debo the ball in space, use him in the receiving game as a receiver, but also give him the requisite carries to have a high floor for fantasy purposes is why for me, RB3 is, is a perfect spot for him. The draft capital was good enough. The system, the landing spot that he went to is fine, and his talent and skill set. You and I both liked him coming in. We had these questions about where is the NFL going to value him? Where is he going to go? Is he going to go to a scheme that's friendly to what he has, or is it going to be one of these where they misuse him, right? They're, they're trying to pound him up the middle all the time. And If you can get into that at least Mostert, Matt Breida type role, and we kind of know, like, yes, they can already use these guys in the correct way, I look at it and go, man, the receiving ability is just a bonus on it. And I, that is something I definitely know Devin H.A. can do. So RB3 for me, the explosiveness, the scheme, the whole works. I think it's a, a perfect situation, a perfect package for him. Yep. I, I like a lot of what you said there. Uh, a lot of the same thoughts I had, Mike. I think 5'9", 188 sounds really scary. Um, I get it. But like, l- l- let's think about this for a second. And, and I think 
if you're afraid of it, you're afraid of the size and it's just not your thing. Like, I'm not going to tell you, don't go ahead and put Kendra right in front of him. I still have Kendra ahead of him, but I want to make sure that people understand that there's still like possible, maybe not the most probable, but possible like eliteness in what he could be in this running scheme. Given the size, I think for people right now, it's hard to wrap their heads around, right? And I think there's a lot of people that are worried about DeAndre Swift and the size concerns and seeing guys like this get hurt. You already mentioned Matt Breida, Mike. That's one of the first ones I think of. Now, interestingly, when I was doing this thought process on Devon H and really kind of testing my process on how I believe it, do you know who Matt Breida's uh, best comparable is, Mike? Mm, no, I do not. Who is it? This is one of the guys I was really excited for and actually did have a smash season, but was a disappointment coming out of college. He played college when I was in college, and I was like one of those guys I wanted in everywhere I played with him in the college game, all that stuff. Is CJ is, is it CJ Spiller? CJ Spiller, man. <laughs> oh, I, that was what you were going to guess, but you didn't do it? Yeah, I was I, in no, on Spiller. I was, I was excited as hell for CJ Spiller back in the day, man. And, and, and Mike, like it's a lot of similarities, right? You know, And then when you go down this little rabbit hole, all right, so then you got – C.J. Spiller was comp to Jamal Charles. Mike, I'll tell you the one though. It's got you got to go back a ways, but the one that's like really crazy high upside that would make the most sense as far as if it all smashed. Like if Miami gave him roughly fifteen to twenty mm-hmm. touches, we're talking, and, and he did everything. Chris Johnson. Yes, that that is the elite ceiling. You know what I mean? Because. When Chris Johnson got in the open field, what happened? Lights he out. was gone. And that is over. what I think. And Chris Johnson was like 190 pounds and had two more inches than Devon A. Chain. Like, it's not crazy <laughs> to give those type of comps. Do you want to bet on Devon A. Chain's profile because of his size? Often, no. But if I was going to do it, it's when the whole class kind of disappoints. And he is in the, the landing spot and the draft capital that he has, which both very much matter. So... It's weird, man, but when we shake it all out, I'm in on Devon A-Chain. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm uh, sorry I'm not sorry. <laughs> I think that's also why, see, uh, Devon A-Chain's uh, best comparable home player profiler is Chris Johnson. Oh, my God, <laughs> I know there it is. I know it's the ultimate ceiling play, right? But you look at it, the size. You know, Chris Johnson, 191 pounds when he came out. You know, a couple inches taller, like you mentioned. Uh, both of them, too, right? Didn't eclipse a thousand yards rushing on the ground till their their final year in college. Uh, and then, from a receiving standpoint, both very similar. I do think, just from you know, I got to go way back here to the Chris Johnson thing, and you know, import import what I had in my brain from Wisconsin was when Chris Johnson was playing. But uh, I do think A Chain is a better and more refined route runner or weapon out of the backfield in the receiving game than Chris Johnson was. But I agree. Both of those guys too. It, it does it really matter if you're a a weapon out of the backfield because Chris Johnson, you just get him the ball in the the receiving game, right? Get him the ball in the screen game anywhere you could, manufacture touches for him, and he could house it from anywhere on the field. And it, I'm not wrong, man. Uh, Chris Johnson actually did his fair share of uh, running up the middle. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you don't get and, to two thousand yards on his, the, on the ground in a season without taking some carries up the middle. The last point about Devon A. Chain, and, you know, as a basketball guy, I'm going to use this one. Mike, to me, especially in basketball, I think in, there's times in football too. Like, there's there's just guys, and the best, the only way to say it is exactly what it is. They play bigger than what they are. 
in basketball, you, you look at like a, a guy I actually played against, Dewan Blair. Like the dude was 6'4". He was no bigger. He might have listed him at 6'6". Six, six. He wasn't. Yeah, I think but on his he, best day on like 2K, he was listed at 6'8". <laughs> and they lied to you. They absolutely he, lied he, he to had you. No, he had no ACLs, so maybe <laughs> maybe but, at one time when he had ACLs, he was That's six, true. Eight. Maybe there was more, you know, some more height there. But the point is, th- there's guys, you know, that have done this Dennis Rodman to a degree, right? They're just, right. they play bigger than they are because of the way they play. Their size is not the most important part. It's how they play. Divine A-Chain, when you watch him, like, and, and this is one of the toughest parts about A-Chain and, and the process with his size, he plays strong for a dude of his, of his stature. Like he plays very right. strong and embraces hits. He does. He's not what you would think of these running backs that are in the 180 range that just get out of bounds or get down. He is not that way. He plays much bigger than he is. So when Miami confirms it with the draft capital landing spot, I, I just wanted to say that last part. I, I think there's a chance he plays bigger than his weight says. You heard it here first, man. Devon A. Chain, the next Chris Johnson. Oh gosh. Well, here we are, nonetheless, Mike. Let, real quick, let's let's finish on any of the receivers and uh, tight ends because I know we got to wrap this up. No, I'm uh, just some quick hitters, man, on the tight end spot. You know how big of a Sam Laporta fan I am. Um, Laporta, Michael Mayer, uh, shoot your shot. Like pick pick your guy. Uh, I'm comfortable with either one. There's going to be some leagues I take Mayer before Laporta, but there'll also be a lot of leagues where I I take my guy. And that's and that's also just a uh, exposure thing, right? You don't want to end up with one or the other too much. I think the easiest one we touched on the draft scenario. Um, you can go back. We had a, a pretty good discussion about it. But for me, I'm going to rank Tucker Craft, and I'm going to take him before I take Luke Musgrave. Um, I'll let everybody else try to take the Musgrave thing. Uh, he's probably going to be a hard pass for me in round two, round three. If we get into it, right? Say they're both on the board. Uh, I might split it then. Uh, but I'm not going to be the first guy to 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 take Musgrave, right? Uh, if I had to choose right now, I favor Kraft over Musgrave just because of what I saw from him and production-wise in college. And I'll let somebody else take the measurables of Musgrave. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm with you on this. We talked about this quite a bit. I, I actually, there was a spot, I think, in the Royal Rumble where it's a 1.75 tight end premium, and people really faded Musgrave. So I did take him yeah. first there because there was just not really another good option. I think that's also probably more of the rare example. I, I'm not going to have much Musgrave exposure, man. Um, and if he hits and I miss, uh, it's one of those things I'll just I'll have to live with it. But um, to me, Tucker Craft and Musgrave are in the same tier. I think that's probably how you had it. So yeah. why would I take what I know was going to be probably a few spots ahead in Musgrave when right. I can do what I think is the same tier and we've seen play out with Andrews and Hayden Hurst where it's not a lock if they take two tight ends in the same class that the one that was picked 20, 30 spots ahead is guaranteed to be the focal point of the offense in the tight end spot. That was the uh, the crazy thing about the rumble. You touched on it a little bit there, man, but tight ends just fell in. It's a 1.75 tight end premium best ball, 14 teams, which is hard. You know, it's a 14-team two copy, so essentially it's a it's a 2018 league. Right. I should say I should say that in reverse. It's twenty eighteen two copy, but it's treated like a fourteen team super flex tight end premium best ball and a good tight end premium one point seven five. Plus, there's some like points in there for targets too. So tight ends do score fairly well in that league. Hard to get, and uh, the tight ends actually fell in the draft quite a bit. I was I was kind of shocked. I had a I had a second round pick. I thought there's no chance I'm getting Sam Laporta. It's like the pick thirty three or whatever. So. It's like, holy hell, <laughs> like Sammy Laborda's still hanging around. Why not grab him? 
Yeah, I got uh, Musgrave very late in the second round, and um, it might even been the third. All I know is it was I need tight ends in that league, and I was certain where I was getting him. I wasn't even going to have a chance to take one. So one of those times where I, I took him um, ahead of Kraft, but by and large, Mike, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'd rather take the discount on Tucker Kraft uh, and just shoot my shot on a tight end later. Yeah. Um, wide receivers, I mean, pretty much after that, uh, I only got – I'm mildly interested in, in Josh Downs a little bit more. Like I'm starting to build a little steam, but it's still probably a bad bet. Uh, the one I, I am and I got a fair amount of post-draft because it's a bad bet and people faded the hell out of it is Jalen Hyatt. And that's kind of just the outlier. Um, that's this year's outlier. If I can't trade the pick or use it for leverage or do anything smart with it uh, that we recommend people do, Adam, sometimes I'm just going, eh, at the 209, let me take Jalen Hyatt. Let's go. And, and if I miss, I, I miss. If I if I don't, awesome. Like, I'll be over the moon. But he's, he comes out. That's the guy, though, that I'll take. And if he comes out, like, week one, week two, and he's got, like, a 100-yard game and a touchdown on a couple long bombs and the hype builds on him, see ya. Get off my team. <laughs> Appreciate let, your service. Let, let's talk real quickly about uh, two more in this range. Um, we, you, you asked me. We, we really only touched on Mingo. Uh, Reed and Rasheed Rice real quick. Um, we, we kind of touched yeah. on Reed. What about Rasheed Rice, though? Meh. Like, I put him in there. I just, I, I don't want to believe he's Sky Moore, uh, but I just saw Sky Moore. You know what I mean? Like, lover scorned. How about that? And I know, I know, Ray told us that he's different, and that's kind of what keeps him in this tier for me. Because honestly, if Ray wasn't talking me off the ledge all the time on Rasheed Rice. Like, yeah. I would have buried him down with the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for me, uh, we actually both have him at uh, wide receiver seven. It's one of those spots where I think I have him ranked. If it was truly wide receiver seven, I think I would take him, but I think because of the landing spot, I'm not likely to get him. Um, Let me I'm ask not... you this right now, because okay. there's a guy that we it. used to like and we like to profile better on the same team. One for one, no no leverage, no okay. community, nothing. Shoot it. Kadarius Tony, Rasheed Rice, who are you taking? Mm. contender my contender my body to? wants to say Kadarius Tony there's just that part of me that just wants to do it but there, I think I think the, the smarter play right now because it's May 4th is Rasheed Rice all right uh and you're you're not wrong it's the smarter play but then the part of me goes only one of these guys got a touchdown in the Super Bowl and that's Kadarius Tony sign me up I'm back in and only one of these guys uh, hopscotch their way into the end zone with the Patrick Mahomes pass, and that's Kadarius <laughs> Tony, the young joker. One last person here real quick, Mike. Um, Cedric Tillman. I, I, I want to know your thoughts here. Pass? Okay. <laughs> he, 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 he's the last one. Like I, I have – I think we're actually pretty similar here. Um, actually, you have him at 10. I have him at 11. So, for wow, me – I'm higher on Cedric Tillman than you are. Who knew? But my, my only point, I think for me he is the last one – that I'll like shoot my shot on in spots and be like, okay, I see a scenario. When I get past that, man, you, you already touched on it, right? Tank Dell, Trey Palmer, anybody else I, I told you about names before, you, you can write them off. The, yeah. This begins to get to the range of I don't care. I think Cedric Tillman, like it or not, all the receivers that they, you know, they brought over Elijah Moore, they, they brought in you know Goodwin, whoever you're worried about, third-round draft capital for a team that I think is going to try to open up their passing game, 
at the spot he's going in the third round, I got, I got, I got to shoot my shot. And that's basically the cutoff of the receivers in this class that are going to really matter for me. We, we did a deal and we, we argued about it a little bit, but Keishon Boutte, you know, sixth round, you can paint the picture going to new England, devoid of weapons. I mean, Juju Smith Schuster's there and everyone hates him. So there's a scenario. I know we did the deal where you just like, I was like, Hey, I'll give you a 24 third form right now. Straight up. Boom. You send them over, it's done. Yeah, and I know you're happy to get off of them. Me, I'm also looking at it going like, just give me that, give me that, that rookie mini camp hype. Give me that training camp hype. That window. Give me the, yeah. Give me, give me the Twitter post about how him and Mac Jones have this connection because I'll take that and I'll turn it into a second. And all of a sudden, like, you took a profit and then I'll take another profit. And so that's why I'm comfortable on Keishon Boutte if I'm like the third round of these rookie drafts. Why not? I know it's probably not going to hit, but why not? And, and Ray and Jay were basically like, ah, just maybe see if you can maybe get a little more later. And they're 100% right. But I'd also, you know, I'm a man of my word. Like, I, I'm not in on the Boutte thing at all. Uh, you've, if you've listened to me, you've heard me rant about it a couple times. But Mike's right. There's still, because of the fact that there's no weapons there, and there's a three-month window here, Mike, where the hype season – Everyone listening, if you haven't experienced it or really, you know, degenerated out at this time, you're going to get some stupid hype coming for somebody. Um, I remember vividly where Mike and I still were both so wrong and so excited for LaVisca Chenault. Urban Meyer's building the offense through LaVisca Chenault was literally a real storyline. LaVisca Chenault went to Carolina and they don't have any weapons. They take Mingo, and nobody cares about LaVisca Chenault anymore. So just be very careful about what you hear in the next three months and where you buy into the hype when you've seen nothing. That's the best way I could describe that. But I'm with you. I get the sell window in the next couple months, Mike. Uh, that's all I got, buddy. I guess we just look forward to all these uh, these Twitter posts and social media will be on there anytime somebody makes a one-handed catch or breaks off a long run uh, on air. Can't wait for the uh, last year of what curl routes on air with Justin Ross. The hype around that. We're going to get it. We're going to get it, man. It's you know what coming. we need, you know what in, we need to do? conjecture season now. Let's go. We need a podcast, me, you, and JB again. And I want you guys to acknowledge my crops when I told you that Justin Ross, as much as I didn't want to, it was over for him. So we can maybe relive <laughs> that. Or you know, you know what? Real quick, too, Mike, before we get out of here, last thing, uh, Dynasty Genesis, we're going to get you out. Mike. When it gets to waivers, because we're going to have this, um, whether it's four or five rounds, you know, there's who are some rookies, deep dives, you're throwing some fab money on that are not getting yeah. drafted very often. Let, let, let's give the Dynasty Degenerates one thing to walk out on here a little deeper. There are, there's a handful of guys, and it really depends on your league and how they're tapped in. Because if you listen to us talk, you know, a lot of these guys are getting drafted in the fifth round. You're in some more casual leagues. Guys are probably available. Sure. Uh, some of them are more like casual leagues. Uh, I set I set up a queue, you know, when you get in around four and five, and I just start throwing names into a bucket. Uh, some guys who I've still seen to be available across multiple leagues even after the draft. Zach Koontz is around. Uh, Payne Durham is a guy at tight end position I'm interested in. Um, as much as it's probably like not a great bet, uh, and I usually shy away from, from backup quarterbacks, like Jake Hayner's hanging around. In New Orleans, that's not the worst thing for me to shoot my shot on. I know Jaron Hall's probably horrible at football. <laughs> Best case, we're talking Kellen Mond, but that's another guy I'll shoot my shot on. Um, A.T. Perry, that's uh, that's Cody 
from <laughs> that's Cody from the Overreaction Pod on this network. Yep. That's his guy. Yep. Uh, he he usually hangs around uh, Xavier Hutchinson. Uh, not a big Iowa State guy, but he's also a guy who goes undrafted. And here I'll give you one that I've really started to pick up quite a bit lately. Let's hear. And that is, I mean, we talked about Jaden Reed. We talked about the Green Bay situation, but Dontavian Wicks out of Virginia is a guy who who goes undrafted quite a bit, and that's a guy I'll throw on my team. Even though mm. we're talking about guys that I'm probably going to cut at some point, but sure. they're worth a roster spot. You probably have a ton of guys who, after the NFL draft, are just totally nuked, and there's no reason for them to be on your roster anymore. A lot of like wide receiver fives and sixes who aren't going to make the team. Shooting my shot on guys like Dontavian Wicks ain't the worst thing. Because you know we saw you, we saw right. a Green Bay wide receiver who, who had pretty bad draft capital get a lot of hype as the uh, the season approached. So why not do it again? Let's go back to the well. Dontavian Wicks this time. Yeah, you know, Wicks is actually one of those for me. Um, Mike, Mike it, it, I'll say this because you already hit on I mean, jeez, Mike, I asked for one name. This is, what, this is why McNutted is who he is. I asked him for one name and he took – I mean, he did not just give you one. He gave you all the ones, and he gave you a deep dive with Wicks. Mike, I'll say this. For me, if it's a tight end premium that matters, 1.75 especially, but even 1.5, any of these 12 tight ends that make it through, I'm prioritizing. Zach Koontz, Will Mallory, Payne Durham, Cameron Latu. These are the ones I think that I really – if they somehow go undrafted in your league in that type of a format – I think you have to prioritize just the opportunity. And we have to acknowledge also this, Mike. At tight end, you do not have to be a day two pick. There are plenty of tight ends that have been undrafted, but it's definitely round five, round six guys that end up being very, very relevant in fantasy yes. football and the yep. NFL. So th- those tight ends I wanted to shout out, basically any one of them fall out of your draft or it's late fifth uh, and it's a premium that matters. I'm taking them, and what I'm trying to do is likely flip them on any type of a value bump if they have a game or two. It's one of the biggest cheat codes in Dynasty, in my personal opinion, Mike. So uh, that's all I got, man. Anything? Any, any final thoughts? Or are we getting out of here? Nope. Let's uh, let's bounce out of here. We'll see what we're going to do next week. Maybe we'll get JP back on. Uh, let's do that. We, let's let's look forward to the uh, the 24 class, man. This one was a little bit disappointing, not going to lie. So let's get our hopes up. Let's really dive into 24 and, and talk some strategy with JB on how to position ourselves to maximize what's coming down the pipe. I like that. Uh, we were disappointed in 22, and then we weren't. We were disappointed in 23, and hopefully we won't be. But let's live for the next draft that we hope we can really be excited for, 2024. I like that, Mike. JB, if you're out there listening to this, uh, you better clear your next week's schedule because we, we need us, JB, on the 40 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. The Dynasty Degenerates want some JB in their life. Make sure you're checking out who's next as well. Uh, we appreciate everyone tapping in, being so uh, so loyal to us, man. It's crazy how long we've been doing this at this point. Um, we appreciate everyone listening and tapping in. Hope this helps you in your rookie drafts. And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 Chess. That's going to do it. We'll see you back here same time, same place next week. Peace. Peace.